All right, folks. Welcome to it's a new day here. Um, <laughs> we had teased... <laughs> yes, uh, I was. <laughs> we had teased at the end of last week's episode that we had a big surprise for you all, and here it is, folks. We have officially changed the name. We are no longer the Second Mouse Podcast. We are officially Playbreakers, a football podcast, and we are super excited about this new direction that we're going in. Um, really thrilled to be able to dive more into the football side of things. But before I get any deeper into this, um, our illustrious co-hosts, Q and This Space for Rent, a.k.a. Gatto, are here. Boys, how are we doing? Fucking glorious, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited yeah, about Yeah, so... Just wanted to take a little time to just chat through um, our rationale for making that decision, and I think for those who have been watch- who have been watching and listening over an extended period of time, I think they can start to see the the transition to a little bit more sports related content, but more specifically football. And I think this is a, a good change one because the name reflects the content as we were talking about earlier. But also, too, like, who the fuck wants to talk politics in an election year? Seriously. <laughs> Plenty of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, I think because we've been talking about football, like, incessantly, and obviously, like, I think it's the one thing that we enjoy the most, and it's been kind of the main source of our content, and it's an all-year-round thing, because, like, you know, literally a month from now, we got the Combine, then... The draft is in April, I believe. We got free agency. Um, and then free agent, oh yeah, free agency in March as well. And then like, you know, and plus I think I think our goal here is not to just do a surface level, it's to be more in depth on like talking about like coverages and you know, kind of like it can be an educational thing too. So we'll we'll still be yeah, well, there will so, be yeah. no LinkedIn badging if you listen to this show. You're not going to get a special prize, but similar to how the old show was, is our intent is to make you feel at least a little bit more educated about the subjects we talk about. And who the fuck knows, right? Like, you might be talking to your friends about something that you heard on this show, and we might make you sound half percent smarter than what you really are. Probably not. No guarantees. Yeah. Absolutely no guarantees. On and, and, full, and full disclosure, too. We do have some good takes from time to time. Yeah, we got a couple and, of bangers uh, every now and again. Like, we, we catch some dark horses that uh, I don't I don't think you're going to hear in other places, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you guys hit it on the head. We, we love this sport. Um, we love talking about this sport. And we want to talk about it for the masses. Right? Absolutely. I think that's part of it. So without further ado, um, this is going to be a quicker episode. Um, I don't know if you, did you guys watch that um, the Usher concert and there was like two mini football games in between. There was a football game at the Usher <laughs> yeah. concert, right? It, yeah. Um, you know what the funny thing about you saying that is, you, it's really kind of true, right? It felt like there were two mini football games on either side of that Usher concert. There were two different games, <laughs> right? Like. They were, they were two very different games. So the Super Bowl was this past Sunday. 
Kansas City Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Real shocker there. Did anybody here? I don't think any of us picked Dynasty the 49ers. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. My, I would say, though, my yeah. like my prediction, my score prediction was looking pretty it good was, in the first yeah. quarter. It obviously got ratcheted in the second half because they, they started off really you, you slow. technically were still right. I, was, I, was, I mean, yeah, you said low scoring game, score. but it was the under. You said hammer the under. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, the under, there was no way with the way those two defenses play. I mean, you know, Spags likes to play like the, the cover two, you know, bracket the safeties and everything. And then you got San Francisco, which I don't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, everybody was kind of surprised by the Steve Wilkes firing. I was not really that surprised by it. Um, Oh, they, their coverage is just were really disjointed. It looked like the second, the back half of the defense didn't know what the front half of the defense was. I think they were kind of um, bailed out a lot of times because of how much talent they had on that front seven, like with you know Fred Warner and Bosa and, and getting Chase Young at the deadline, um, Armstead. But like, I, their defense was baffling at some times to me. Um, and then we can get into the overtime as well. That whole discussion is yeah. So I think there's a couple of things that we should touch on. Is one first and foremost, I want to talk a little bit about Steve Spagnuolo might be one of the best defensive minds in football. No, he is the he might be the best defensive mind in football. Yeah. Four Super Bowls for that guy on two different teams. Um, not a great head coach, but that doesn't matter because everywhere he goes as a coordinator, he's fantastic. I don't think that's I don't, fair, by the way. No, I don't think it is either, but... That team was very... That, that was a bad football team he took over. I think he maybe just jumped too fast because that was a bad team. Um, I, he didn't have a chance. Did, did he not realize maybe that he was taking on, like, you know, there's the coach that comes in, like in the restructuring years and he's just a holding place for like the real coach that they want to come in. You know what I mean? Like did, did that happen? I mean, Spags Spags is a guy you want. Like, I mean, he, he, he's, he's a galvanizing guy. Players love him. He clearly understands defense. He's got good connections. He's an, he's from the Andy Reid tree, which is always good. He was the Philly defensive coordinator before he went to the giants. And he was, I think he was the linebacker coach, uh, I think I think it was the linebacker coach, I believe. Which you know, back then Jeremiah Trotter and all those guys were there, so like, they were just a bunch of dogs. So um, I really think he should get another opportunity. I, I just don't know though, because like how many offensive guys? I mean, if Raheem Morris is getting another shot, I mean, you see, if I'm right? if I'm Spags, I don't want it because like you found your niche, right? As a defensive coordinator, there's no real reason to. At least, yeah. Until Andy I mean, when Andy Reid when Andy Reid goes, I'd imagine that he'll probably go too. But the way that a team with one good player on their defensive, one great player on their defensive line, and one great player in their defensive backfield, but he was able to to cobble it together and make a, a strong defense, which was at the beginning of the season looked at as a potential weakness for them. I think he deserves mm-hmm. a lot of credit. Patrick Mahomes deserves a lot of credit too, because I mean, the numbers speak for itself. He threw a pick 
great. It's the first pick that he threw in seven games in the playoffs. Span of two years, like yeah. he's he him. I mean, I would argue though that when you said one good player in defensive back group, which which player are you uh, referring Snead. to? I mean, I'm gonna say it. I think Trent McDuffie got robbed for being MVP of the Super Bowl. He was. Unbelievable! That game. Number one, the game, the touchdown saving pass deflection that he had, the absolute just monster like in coverage. Like I think, I think McDuffie was. Uh, I think he, he. I liked him a lot. I mean, I think he was playing at Washington. I always like Washington corners, um, but like he was a guy that I really liked. Now he was one of the guys on my list, um, but he, he, he was unbelievable yeah and i'm not i'm not implying that he wasn't but at the beginning of the season i mean he's a rookie i think you were he's a rookie <laughs> no no I, they're they're two really good um, no he's a he's a they're, second they're year player really, yeah second year player did he go to washington uh, i believe so yeah mm-hmm. yeah he was yeah washington yeah i i really like mcduffie coming out he's been fucking really good for them um they i I mean, but like th- that's the difference, though, is that like Spags has a really good ability to get the most out of his guys, and like most guys, like you, most coaches in this league, you could give elite players to, and they don't know what to do with them, you know. But he knows he knows how to get the most out of them. His and his play design is is really really good. Yeah, I mean his. I don't really know how much there is more to say about him other than be, just being like really fucking good at what he does, but I want to swap over to Steve Wilkes getting firing and I'm going to push back a little bit about on that cue. Like I don't think Wilkes should have been fired considering. I mean, you held, you held Patrick Mahomes to three points in the first half and. Firing was a little much for me. I I mean, he was not the one who fumbled the ball. He was not, he was not the one who left uh, Chris Jones like unblocked at the end of the game either. I, I think him getting fired is kind of shitty. He also is not the one who said like, Hey, we're going to take the ball first in overtime. And that's, that's, I think this says a lot more about Kyle Shanahan kind of overthinking this entire process rather than Steve Wilkes, because Wilkes was asked to run a def- run a defensive package against a generational quarterback and minimize the damage. And from all intents and purposes, like I think they minimized the damage about as much as they could have. The I mean, like the shortcomings almost feel like they're offensive for the Niners in a lot of ways. Here's in a, a high impact explosive offense and they just couldn't get it going. They had to resort to trickery to get their touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Like and then it's just you know, getting downfield, but they couldn't convert. They couldn't they couldn't make big third down conversions. Kept passing the ball um, and they should have been running it. Sound familiar? Right. <laughs> It's it's it, like what, where does the the blame really really lie? I mean, I it's it's weird to me when we we complain about um, you know coaches and coordinators when they've made it to the final round, right? But like that performance, like I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes as to like where this function really lies with this team. 
Like, where do they go from here, too? Yeah, I mean, the, it, everything is lined up for this team, right? Like, the coaching is lined up, the player development and player selection has lined up. It seems like every person that it's comes... slam dunk everywhere. Yeah, right? it seems like every person that goes to San Francisco plays well. It's just when... When that team falls behind or they're in a close game, I feel like there's way too much analysis paralysis or like this is what they're expecting us to do, but they expect me to do this instead, so I'm going to do this. And there was that stretch. It was like the end of the fourth quarter. It's like, why are you just like sending Brock Purdy to pass like eight times in a row? Stop that. Like you need to – Elijah Mitchell was fucking nowhere in this game, too. He had, like, three carries. Like, why aren't you pounding the ball the whole time and really just making the Chiefs play a game that they're really not good at, and that's the run defense. Like, I don't – again, I don't understand the logic. It seems very much like an overreaction to fire the one guy who was asked to, like, do the impossible. It's, It's Kyle Shanahan at this point, you know. By the way, you see that stat that he's now old for three in, yeah. in games where he's legit since I, he's such a he seems like such a smart guy and it just seems like he just maybe overthinks it too much or something. I don't know, but um, but also I think like they also were mirroring his career with Andy Reid and mm-hmm. it's very similar that Andy Reid couldn't win a big game um, back when he was in Philly. So you know, I, I'm not ready to like. Right, Kyle Shannon off completely, but definitely needs a look at yeah. for sure. It just feels so weird because it's such a complete team, right? Like, or at least that's how they sell it. And they us, dominate right? the regular season where too. Go? Where do you go from here? Yeah, if you're, if you're that because because they front ran the entire season. Like it was, it was easy for them, especially early in the season, right? They had like a two week stretch were... where people were like, "Oh no, they're not any good," and every team goes through that, right? Like. It's a long season, especially for football, and you're going to go through like little, little ebbs and flows. But that seemed to have gone away by the end of the season. It, it I mean, it. Well, they did have a little like um, stutter at the at towards the end when they played Baltimore, right? Because I think Baltimore they felt and like, Detroit. This yeah. is, yeah, this is this is these are the teams that you know we're going to have to see again. And I think they did lose a little confidence in themselves at that moment, but they were still you know, like characteristically themselves, like they didn't deviate from who they were after that. Um, Or at least it didn't seem like that. They kept with their game plan and it was effective. Mm -hmm. So it's odd at least. Um, Because the, the, the good question is like, what, what do they look forward to for next year? Where, where do they find improvement growth? Like, is it just coaching? Like, is that going to solve their problems? No, and the overtime rules for one. That report, That's such a weird that one. report that 49ers players did not know the how the overtime worked. I mean, how do you not know the rules of the sport you play? It, I, there's been a lot of discussion though about like the actual advantage, and I I'm a little bit curious though because like even Kelsey was saying like they were celebrating. Um, on the sidelines because they were getting the ball second. And I mean, is that I, I, the, the thing I, I, I think the biggest problem I have with it is that they didn't know yeah. the, the rules, but like, 
Does it really provide that much of an advantage, though? Uh, it doesn't necessarily, like, because you can put someone's back against the wall, too, right? Like, because what if San Francisco goes down and scores a touchdown? Exactly. Exactly. Then you have, you're now in sudden death, where it's like you either get touchdown or bust. To where, at least with San Francisco, they it's pretty open ended that you can just at least settle for three and you know send everything you got to them. Um, but like I, I I don't everyone keeps saying that like oh my god they fucked up so bad. I think they fucked up not knowing rules. But I also don't think that like it was I, how much of an advantage. I, 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 I need a lack to of confidence in in what they could do. And that's why they did it. I, I mean, there, are they I, overshadowing well, definitely... like the reality that like this is an excuse that they're they're giving? Like, oh, we didn't know the rules, which is maybe there worse is certainly the... a mental advantage to it, right? Because like, there's certainly a mental advantage to it because like they held them to three, right? So it's like that feeling of like, oh my god, now if we go down there and score a touchdown, we're good, you know. But it's like I don't really. I love how they, by the way, they ran the same play. That they scored uh, a touchdown with Tony on. Um, this you know, this year they ran it with uh, Hartman. That little kind of—I mean, again, like I don't know how the cheat, like how how are other teams not running these plays? It's, that little like fake motion push out, like it's it is such easy money, and like no one runs it other than the Chiefs. It's yeah, so can we can we take a a beat though and and reflect on the fact that Miko Hardman scores the winning touchdown and then doesn't celebrate it? <laughs> they were like, "Hey, you just won the game." <laughs> he didn't realize that Everybody that was, was it. Yeah, at that moment, everybody was confused because everybody was like, "I also I was confused because I'm like." I thought that at the end of overtime, you lose if you didn't score or you didn't do anything. They're like taking their time, and I'm like, "What the fuck are they doing?" But apparently, that's it's not it's not that's not how it works. No. So I'm like, it would have rolled over like the second quarter, and I was like, "This confusing for us mm-hmm. too." There um, was not a that clear. There was a victory. Yeah, there was not a clear explanation as to what the rules were, no. and I did not enjoy. Tony Romo and um, Greg, Greg Nance on this one. I, I, I didn't like it. And Romo stepped all over Nance's call at the end. Like, stepped on him. Like, that was supposed to be his call, and he, like, Romo was just, like, going on. Yeah, on. he sucks, man. He's not a good – he's yeah. not a good analyst. And I was having a conversation with somebody Sunday night because I was at a friend's house watching it, and – the way that he described it was Romo doesn't let you enjoy it because he explains everything before it happens. And it kind of takes away the surprise and the anticipation. And that's great that Romo knows all of these plays and can break them down before they even happen. But like your job is to provide us context of what you've seen, not what is going to happen. And it's, it's kind of annoying. And I agree completely. Like he shit all over the end of that game and nobody like Jim Nance has called the masters. He's called other super bowls. He's called college championship games. Like I'm really not fucking interested in what Tony Romo has to say, by the way, did you see the fucking pee stain on his pants? (laughs) I did see that. It's the way the pants come. (laughs) Like literally, 
I literally fucking thought of that. Like, what, what was the website name? Oh, like? I don't remember. Oh, fuck. That's how they come. I, I literally, in my head, I was like, oh my god, Tim Robinson is fucking shitting himself somewhere right now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just to go back to the overtime. You gotta give, Tom. You gotta <laughs> give. Just to go back to the overtime um, thing real quick. Q, I don't know necessarily if it's advantageous for one team over the other, but I think it's just how you frame it, right? Like, if you're on the defense, you want the ball, you want to be able to, like, stop somebody first. And if you're on the offense, you want to be able to score first. Like, it's basically, like, who does not want to be responsible for this game being lost? And I think that at least if you get the ball last – you know exactly what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Travis yeah. Kelsey said, by the way. He said like they they liked having the idea of like just holding the three and then we can just send everything we got mm-hmm. at them, you know. But um I don't know. To... I don't know how to I don't know how to feel about like it actually being like an other than a strategical advantage. I just you know it, it seems like they know. went with a more risk adverse way to to win the super bowl <laughs> like well it was that they clearly didn't understand the rule change because yeah. they clearly thought if they went down and scored a touchdown they were gonna win yeah it, so this is kind of crazy so but like after after the chiefs let's say the chiefs just kick a field goal if they kick a field goal they do win right say again after after the, let's say in the situation that the chiefs ended up only kicking yeah. a field goal to tie it up, they would get the yeah. ball back, and then if they did kick a field goal, they would win. I think they have to do a. They have to go back to the Chiefs a, one more time. Um, new coin toss at the end of, at the start of a new like a second overtime. I thought it just kept playing out until someone scored at that point. No, nah, that's right. See, even even no, we don't know the rules here now. <laughs> I think the way I, I'm pretty sure let's, that it's, it's like up. everyone gets an everyone gets a, an attempt, mm-hmm. right? So like Niners score Niners score a field goal, Chiefs score a field goal. If they go down and, and score a field goal, I think they win, right? Like or is it touchdown? Like to be like I don't even know, honestly. They didn't do a really good job at explaining mm-hmm. it, honestly. Which is so, surprising because they had so many new fans watching this one too, and they just like they didn't want to explain any yeah. part of the game that Tony Romo was not like barfing all over himself about, but they wanted Terrible. to just cut to Taylor like anytime they showed Travis. So gotta cut the Taylor side, man. So oh, we should get to that too. So just so that we can be clear and so that everybody can hear these, uh, the overtime rules for NFL postseason games, they differ obviously from regular season. Um, if the score is still tied at the end of the overtime period, or if the second team's initial possession has not ended, the teams will play another overtime period. Play will continue regardless of how many overtime periods are needed for a winner to be determined. Two will be uh, there will be two minute intermissions between each overtime period. There will not be a halftime intermission after the second period. The captain who lost the first overtime coin toss will either choose to possess the ball or select which goal his team will defend unless the team has won the coin toss, deferred that choice. Each team will have an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. 
Each team gets three timeouts. The same timing rules apply at the end of the second and fourth regulation periods as apply at the end of the second and fourth overtime periods. So two minutes, two minute drills, basically. Uh, so basically, so basically each, each team gets a, a chance at possession. And then ultimately after that, it's pretty much whoever scores. You're on. And there's one, yeah, one more rule. And that's if the, if there's no winner at the end of the fourth overtime period, there will be another coin toss and play will continue uh, continue until a winner gets fourth overtime period. You said? After the fourth, so basically at this point they would have played two games and still not have scored. Everyone would have turned this thing off. It would have been three in the morning. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Oh wait, would we get a would we get a another like encore usher performance if they went if they kept it going? Like he's like I mean I I think he did every song that he ever created. He's in, taking in the roller hit, skates off. They're like, oh sure, we need you back. We need you back. And he's like, wait, what? He's <laughs> like, I can only do so many like costume on. changes in one night. Yeah, and he come... they're they're bringing on random people. They're like, yeah. just do something. Ludacris What's your is like, um, I I can do get back, but I don't have the hands. It's like, just, well, just do it, just do it. <laughs> I don't have the hands. <laughs> the, when, when Luda came out, the the audible Luda I laid, I put out like registered oh, a thousand percent. percent. I said to somebody like, as soon as Ludacris came out, my heart was full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I know we don't have a ton of time here, but what were your impressions of this NFL season? Was this was this a good one? Was this a forgettable one? Was it kind of a meh one? Just taking... Am I speaking as a Giants fan? I, I think I know fan? what your responses would be as Giant fans, but just like as fans of the sport, because now we are commentators on the game at large. I I largely think like we've become kind of ungrateful fans. <laughs> Say more. Because... So, like, look, the two best teams in, in the NFL that I think everyone kind of predicted were going to be here ended up exactly where they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But the path in which they took was not anything that anybody expe- expected it to be. And the parody of this year, there was plenty of upsets to show that the league is full of competitiveness, but no one liked the upsets. No one liked that things weren't as they were expected to be, which is such a weird thing considering one of the great strengths of the NFL is that unpredictability, and that's what makes it exciting. And for whatever reason, we just don't appreciate it when it happens, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of that is because the NFL, more than any other sport, is very parity-driven. You know, like, we, like the NBA, every number one seed usually ends up mm-hmm. being usually one seed one versus you usually one see it a mile away it's like by christmas yeah, time they, it's been established like the celtics look like the favorites to win the east and you know at this point the western conference i'm not even sure maybe the clippers but um you can kind of like usually within the next few months you'll p- p- pass the all-star break you'll mm-hmm. definitely get an idea um baseball kind of here and there but like football like the wild card teams. I mean, as a Giants fan, two years that they win the Super Bowl, they were wild card teams. Yeah. They just got hot at the right time, and 
and started kind of showing up. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, like you're Super Bowl champions. You're beating the undefeated Patriots. So I think we do. I think you are right, Gato. We get a little spoiled by this. But, like, we're witnessing a 28-year-old quarterback who is now a three-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl MVP, just an absolute monster quarterback. Who I think is good. Like, I mean, Tom Brady, I don't think anybody thought Tom Brady's record would be broken for a long time. And now I'm like, he might be able to do it if he plays along, if plays enough time. Mm-hmm. If Andy Reid stays and if they can, if Brett Veach can keep bringing in talent there. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of interesting to see that people really hate when the favorites. Um, and it's, this is kind of like any like any other league that people got tired of the Warriors eventually too because they were winning too much. People don't like when you win too much. I, I think we're a little um, tired from the Patriots like dynasty run, right? Like so. It's, it's yeah, because we literally went back into one that pattern. It's it's like <laughs> we literally went from one dynasty to the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's yeah, but that's how like, like replacing like, your girlfriend with like the exact same person <laughs> i mean thing, that's you know? <laughs> kind of how the nfl is though right like you have certain teams that win multiple championships and like when the rosters are still the same i i think i'm going to take a different take from the two of you in the sense that i was i feel like the nfl is still in like a holding pattern for a lot of their old quarterbacks to just go away and give the spotlight to some of those younger guys, but also some of those younger guys to finally develop. And it still shocks me that in this age where the coaching has never been better, the analytics and analysis and training has never been better, we still have coaches and scouts and and staff on teams that can't figure out how to get the best out of the guys that they draft in like the top five. It just, it will never not like blow my mind that these quarterback coaches and these like passing game coordinators, they just get passed around from one team to the other. And it's like, you didn't do anything on that other team. Like, why do you deserve a job? Because what somebody was like your roommate in college that, you know, he's your friend and I, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly waiting for the NFL and its teams to wake the fuck up and realize that like you need the best <laughs> coaches on your team and not the ones you're most familiar with. But as, as a Giants fan, I can attest because you know who the number three reception leader in the NFL was this year. Actually he was number two because the top two guys are Tyree Kill and Amon Rice Brown. At 119 receptions, you know who was th- who was technically sir, second or third? Take a guess. Second or third? I'm a Giants fan. Pissed off about this. Former Giants. There's a lot of those. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, he was a massive failure. He was a massive failure in New York. He went to a team two years ago, and he's been pretty much Today's a stud ever since. <laughs> the way that you lined that up, right the now. way that you lined that I know, up, worked I know. was 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 Kadarius Tony. A, a, you think Kadarius Tony was third in the league in receptions I mean, this year? And drop passes, drop yeah, passes, he was third yeah. In the league, at least maybe. Top. Did, this guy dropped a lot of passes in New York. A lot of passes he dropped. Oh god, why am I blanking out so hard? It's been a long day. 
Uh, Why don't you just tell us to it? All right, let me make it easier. Let me make it easier. He's not a wide receiver. Oh, Evan Ingram. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Evan Ingram, 114 receptions this year. That's wild, man. But that's utilizing, again, an ability to utilize a clear talent. Like, again, I was screaming. For them to use him on crossers, use him on like little quick screen passes. Oh, use him on like Kelsey. That's what they're doing in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. And he's we we, literally... did use, we did try to utilize him, but he would literally drop the game changing pass. Every time. I, I disagree though, because there was too many times where they would put him on like those little stop routes where he basically runs and then like does a little stop yeah or they try and run him on vertical routes and it's like use his speed run him on a little crosser when he across was, the middle of the field with his size uh in a man situation he's probably going to dominate right so i i feel like they were they were only trying to pair him in those situations but that wasn't necessarily where you're going to get your best results from him he's a guy that needs to be hit on the move you're right you're right 114 catches uh, 963 yards, four touchdowns this year. I mean, Just career gross. year in a contract year. So, love that for him. Smart. Um, yeah, he's doing all right. The last thing I was going to say, and again, it's to kind of push back on that we want to see um, the best teams play each other because people show up for that. I think... I think the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl was kind of a no-brainer at the beginning of the season. It was at least after the Dolphins game. The reason why I didn't want to see the Chiefs this year in the Super Bowl is because I knew this would happen. So at the parade yesterday, Patrick Mahomes got on the mic and said, they all doubted us. I don't want to hear any different. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, that was stupid when Georgia said it when they won their second consecutive national championship. And it's even dumber coming from him. They were the consensus, like, number one team at the start of the season. Everybody fucking picked them to win this game. Like, I don't know what is in the air in Kansas City. And I need to be mindful, too, because they had a pretty significant tragedy happen shortly after that. But, like, I would really appreciate it if athletes stopped doing this shit. Especially when you're on the favorited team, like just because somebody hates on you on Twitter doesn't mean that you know I, you're. A... <laughs> I I, I want to say that it kind of it's more of a mindset driven thing that like Patrick Mahomes kind of feeds off that negative energy, maybe that doubter vibe, and loves to play you know play spoiler to that. I, and that might I be guess, how they mentally the, when you're the two-time and therefore MVP, they live that. when you've won an MVP in the league and you've won three fucking MVPs in the Super Bowl, like you're not a spoiler anymore. I mean, it was kind of absurd that you know everyone had the Niners as favorites for this game. Nobody did. Like, I, mean, I think that's know, what he was like, referring. We to. all picked it as as the Chiefs, and then the. Like Vegas had the odds in the favor of the Niners based yeah, on like sports, every sports book had, you know, every sports book had uh, 
the Chiefs as underdogs. Yeah. They were like plus plus one hundred, plus one ten. But like, I mean, that's not much. Like, a, you're not a major dog or anything. It's relatively within like one ten and minus. There's not really a vast difference between minus one ten plus one ten. Yeah. So like, you know, no, you were a minor underdog. That's as close but, to fifty yeah. percent you get with the hold in in a bet is is plus. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, or minus one ten rather. ESPN picked the Bucks to win, or uh, not Bucks, but the Chiefs to win. They probably did pick the Bucks to win. Yeah, because they for who to win for the Chiefs? Chiefs to win. Yeah, they they were the only ones being honest, probably because they needed people to you know bet on the other side of this, right, or to take a riskier bet on the Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah, now that they're like fully invested in ESPN bet. Here we go, guys. Yeah, that's gonna be another problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I the Niners, I like you know for the Chiefs, I, as long as Andy Reid stays there, I think you're, I think you're pretty good. They're, they'll they'll find talent. They gotta find some receivers for from homes because. Everyone's like, oh, he was able to do it. He was able to do it without them, so it's impressive. But, like, you really do want to utilize – like, everyone, everyone's been kind of running victory laps because they were like, the Chiefs prove you don't need to pay wide receivers. And I think this, like, conversation of, like, you don't have to pay this position group is starting to become a little extreme now. It's like, whatever, you're just going to pay quarterbacks 90% of the cap. Like, wide receivers are valuable. I think paying for Tyreek Hill was a, would have been the smart thing to do. Um because like I think they're a better right like there's no doubt about it. I mean, he made Mahomes better too, just because <laughs> just because of the fact that like you know you don't need Tyree Kill doesn't mean you shouldn't have Tyree Kill. Like mm-hmm. so, like I I think they need to go out and make a big move. Maybe Brandon Ayuk honestly, um, since he seems like he wants out of San Francisco. Um, they need to find somebody that can like move the needle for them because it's like you, you can't expect Mahomes to do this over and over and over again by himself. It's just it's too much yeah. to ask. So one thing um, I wanna but San Francisco one thing I wanted oh, sorry, to point out is that forty nine people at ESPN versus sixteen people forty nine people picked the Chiefs to win. You know, yeah. Well don't say that they fucking doubted us either. It, that's just a weird thing that athletes do. I don't know what it is. Like, it's, so there's some kind of like, like, I don't know, some kind of like honor in being an underdog or something. Instead of just yeah. I mean, they can have that uh, thought in their mind, but when they start to vocalize it and it's clearly like, all right, guys. This is why you need to have a team that deals with your PR and your social media. That's that's really what it is. Don't look at that stuff. It's not going to help yeah. you, if anything. It's just going to twist your mind. To, to but following like this that conversation podcast, folks. See, there you go. Playbreakers pod. <laughs> um, but to go back to what you were saying, Q, about the wide receivers, I agree 100%. Like, they just – there's – the reason why – Mahomes' numbers looked different this year is because everyone was just dropping coverage to like basically force him to throw everything as a check down. And when he realized that, okay, I'll do that, 
And that started to happen at the end of the season where it's like, I'm not going to force the ball down the field anymore. I'm just going to give them what they're, I'm just going to take what they're giving to me. That's when they started to go on that roll. I mean, I don't think T Higgins is going to make the free agency. They're probably going to franchise him, but I could see like a Mike Evans, like being convinced, like this is your, this is the fastest and probably the easiest path you have to getting back to another Super Bowl. So I, I would imagine they could probably find some of those guys that are not over the hill, but they're like right at the tippy tippy top. If they can give them like a short term deal, like if they give Mike Evans like a two year deal, be like, hey, look, you want to win a couple of Super Bowls and then retire as a legend? That's the way you do it. I don't think IU would go to San Francisco because I don't think San Francisco would be willing to trade him. I don't know where San Francisco, I was going to say, I don't know where San Francisco goes from here. Like, what do you do? You got to kind of worry too because like Devo can't stay healthy in, you know, postseason. They can't keep running him at the running back position like that. Like, yes, it makes your offense more dynamic, but at the end of the season when he's like ground to dust. He, he was like, right yeah, in mud. I, I think what's going to have to happen. And he wasn't, I know that we had a conversation about this a couple weeks ago, but I would, I would wonder if there's going to start to be heat on Kyle Shanahan. And just because Brock Purdy got them to the Super Bowl, there are moments where it did not look good. Like that happens with every quarterback, but yeah. like the play calling coupled with that was not good. And is, I, I think Shanahan is, is a qualified there, coach, but he's been to two Super Bowls yeah. as a head coach, and both of them were miserable failures against the Chiefs. I I guess we come down to it like so the the discussion of like the Brock Purdy game manager thing, right, comes into play here. It's like is there a ceiling to what a game manager is capable, like what games they can win in? Like a Super Bowl is not where a game manager can thrive or ever exist I think, win I, the Super Bowl. I, I think that's a matter of like, like winning out of structure, right? Because if the game plan that the 49ers had put in place was what maybe catching the Chiefs off guard, like if, if he can he can control the ship, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But like the Chiefs kind of had their number and figured it out. So like now he has to play outside of structure. And I don't think Brock Purdy played bad. I don't, I don't think, think so he's either. The reason they lost no, and I, I don't think. Like, I think people a lot of people are shitting on him, and I'm like, I thought he played pretty well. Like all things considered. Mm-hmm. So I think the the challenge is going to be, and I I wish he had done this more. I wish he had taken a page out of the Mahomes playbook and tried to run for more first downs. Like the thing about Mahomes is he's not like a guy who's going to rip off like a 30 yard run. He can, but more often than not, it's going to be that like, remember that one play in the fourth quarter was like, or the overtime where it was like that little boot and it was the fake handoff and he just ran like three yards and slid for the first down. Like that is, that would really have been a game changer if they had gotten Brock out to do some of those things. Since like you get two looks and after that, just go and grab like three or four yards. Cause there were a couple of, they were like at minus one yards in total yardage in the second half for, until like the fourth quarter, weren't they? Didn't like the third quarter, they did absolutely nothing. Like at least make some kind of play. 
I, I, and, you know, granted Mahomes is such a different creature onto his own, but, like, um, I, I also look at, like, you know, Brock Purdy's, like, the probably the most inexperienced on that Niners offense, right? So he's still got time to develop and grow, and I think there's still room for improvement with him, right? I think I'm a little off course from what you were saying, Tom, but I was thinking about that. Um, yeah, there's uh, – I don't know. <laughs> Shanahan fucked up. I mean, he's he's definitely younger. He definitely doesn't have the same kind of experience. But you'd assume, like, the coaches would be the ones that would coach him up and tell him, like, what to do. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. younger players like Jared Goff. We've seen him kind of freeze up in a Super Bowl and not really know what to do. Ben Roethlisberger was not great in the Super Bowl that he won against – the Seahawks. Um, it's not an uncommon thing for younger guys to kind of get, let the moment swallow them up in situations like that. But like, you have to try to coach them to not let that happen. And I think that's the point is like, you know, the 49ers, they can take an established player and utilize them as needed, but they can't develop that player. Like who have they developed? Who have they grown into the players they are? They've just had amazingly talented, athletically gifted individuals join that roster, and they've used them like the like pawns, you know, on a board. I will also say too, they have gotten very lucky when it comes to quarterbacks in San Francisco because they've also had Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullen, C.J. Beathard, like Trey Lance. They've They've got a lot of guys there and they've gotten lucky with two of them. Like Garoppolo was a nice pickup until the Super Bowl and then he just could not stay healthy anymore. Trey Lance was a interesting option, never could stay healthy, traded. Purdy mm-hmm. probably should not have gone last in the draft. He probably should have been like a fifth round guy like Sam Howell. But they've gotten very, very lucky. I but their coaching just has to be better. I would just I would just blame the coaching and not on the defensive side of the ball. By the way, um Washington has taken a couple of the 49ers guys away from them too. Anthony Lynn is now the um he's like an offensive assistant for Washington. He's not running the show. The band is- he's not running the show over there, so again the band yeah. back together, boys. <laughs> Yet, Justin Herbert had his best years under him, so. I think in spite of him, um, his play calling was questionable. But as long as he's not the offensive coordinator. Your defensive coordinator, though, I was no, kind what? of interested. I, I can't remember the exact. Yeah, he comes from Yeah, he was Cowboys. the defensive line coach there. I mean, a unit that always got they always got the most out of those guys, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good, you know. I mean, like, I, other than your offensive line coach, buddy, uh, that's going to be a challenge for you because uh, as a Giants, any Giants fan will tell you, Bobby Zlatan. Everyone's like, oh, he had good years in Buffalo. One good Look year. Look at that offensive in line in Buffalo. One good year, left. and it was a top ten. It was the tenth. It Correct. was the tenth offensive line. And they did that once. Yes. And after that, it was like Can, the 17th, yeah. the 19th. And then in New York, it was 
Buffalo offensive line got way better after he left. Um, so it, it was it was that one stuck out to me, and I was like, maybe it's a different Bobby nope. Johnson. It was not. <laughs> Um, not to make this about not to make this about me, but we're gonna make it about me real quick. Um, the Commandos coaching staff is set. Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coordinator; Joe Witt, defensive coordinator; Larry Izzo, special teams coordinator. Um, let me know if any of these names sound familiar. Ed or Ed Donatel. Um, yeah, he was the Vikings defensive coordinator that year that they were they got beat by the Giants in the playoffs. They were that horrific defense. And he's a defensive yeah. backs coach now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what his, I don't know what his specialties are. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you remember the name Bobby Ingram, Seahawks receiver? Bobby Ingram. Yeah, he's the wide why. receivers coach now. I didn't know Ryan Kerrigan is a assistant. Yeah, he's the pass rush specialist. Um, so crazy. assistant defensive line Sharif Floyd, former I believe, um, oh, Viking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Sharif Floyd. He played uh, yeah. Florida, right? And then Anthony Lynn is the running game coordinator, running backs coach. Ken Norton is the linebackers coach. He was there in Seattle. Daryl Tapp, defensive line coach. Wow, yeah, it's players. a new day in Washington. I don't like that though. Yeah, there's a cool. It it has it has potential. Um, and they grabbed the like assistant general manager and player personnel guy from Detroit too. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's you know, Detroit's built a pretty good infrastructure uh, for over the last few years, so um, it's not a it's not a bad it's not a bad hire. So. I mean, you know, there's there's some good and there's some bad. Um, yeah, for sure. Like every team. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think ultimately though, you're you're they're they're in a good spot. I th- I think I, I I mean Dan Quinn. You know, everyone shits on Dan Quinn, but like, you know, he's got good connections. Like he, he is the epitome of a guy that you like. Oh yeah, we're gonna let him kind of run the team as like a head coach and. He, he clearly has an eye for talent. He was the one who brought Kyle Shanahan over to Atlanta and as the offensive coordinator of the year. Matt Ryman's an MVP. So um, I think you got to just trust that he at least knows what guys to put in place. And if he's just your leader, you know, um, if he can build a good in- coaching infrastructure that, like, you know, if you, even if you lose guys to different jobs, you can kind of just bring up the next one. There's, there's a chance for them. But it's going to probably take a – a few years before you guys get yeah. going. So, yeah. um, former, there's two sides to being. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say former Lions quarterback David Blau, Purdue quarterback, now the oh, assistant yeah. quarterbacks yeah. coach, and it's not Ed Donatel, it's Tommy oh. Donatel. He's a Chargers guy. Oh, no. so it's not Ed Donatel. Donatel okay. like nine hundred years old. Are they related? Really uh, I don't think so. They make NFL does work huh. pedigree. So yeah, I'm, I am, I know that it's not going to be an overnight turnaround. Who knows? It might be like the NFL is weird like that. Um, but at least yeah. there are like competent people there now. And it's not like Ron Rivera's kid is coaching the linebackers coach and he's like, I, 
I said it, man. The only the the only really bad hire that I was like, ugh, was Bobby Johnson because the Giants off. Everyone's like, oh, their guys just suck, and it's like, well, he he was working with a, a guy who was a first team All Pro, and Andrew Thomas, seventh pick in the draft, second round pick at center. You know, third round pick in. It wasn't like they're all goons. Like, like they're not all goons. They're not. Like Evan Neal was was an All American at, at at Alabama. Now he could be a just a giant bust, sure. But like, I think there's something to say about a guy who can't get anything out of these type of guys. John Michael Schmitz was considered to be, you know, the most pro ready center coming out of Minnesota. Wrestler, which I love for center. He was terrible this year. Outside of like a couple bright spot so I I have to think there, there's no shot that the Giants missed that much on players like there has and like also Tyree Phillips was a guy who came into camp with the Giants got cut went to Philly worked with Jess Stoutland the legendary Philadelphia Eagles offensive line coach he comes back and he was like an above average starter for the Giants so mm-hmm. I think there's something to say about like offensive line coaching can like really either make or break your players so john feliciano too went to um former giant i mean come come the fuck <laughs> on man yeah he's like he was the number three guard in in the nfl this year pro football focus and he was like graded out as an like an elite player and he was with when he, when he was here with the giants last year he was like below average in every category like there's there's just no fucking shot that like it's just the, it's the coaching, and I mean, is Priscilla the guy? I have, I have no idea, but you know, we'll see. You got a lot out of bad players in, in Vegas, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Um, well, fellas, I got you have something to say? No, I mean not necessarily. I was going to bring up the uh, the Zimmer hire in Dallas and mm. potentially how that is. The writing on the wall that if McCarthy can't get it done this year, he might be out. Right? I even during I thought the season. About that too. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that too. Is that like it's a gift and a curse when you bring in like those big of names? Is because like it's good because he's an elite defensive co- defense coordinator, but like he will be the guy that can take your job if you know if you don't. Because he's gonna, he's gonna have that. Like the guy, the locker room's gonna love Zimmer. So like, if he doesn't, if if McCarthy can't get it done, there's a chance Zimmer could take him yeah. over very easily. I mean, look, I think you know the the players really do like McCarthy out there. So you know, he still has that locker room for the most part. But yeah, a lot of right. guys were very happy when he came back. Yeah, yeah it's, I I think you're right, and I think he should be kind of worried about this higher, right? It's it, there's kind of a writing I mean, the wall. Jerry's patience is he, waning, you know. I think he knows at this point that it, this is his last year. Yeah, he's got to put it together. Like, yeah, or, like unless he, yeah, unless he goes out and, and wins the Super Bowl, I can't picture him. Can I ask? Got to break that inevitability. Can I ask a question though? Like, I know Zimmer was defensive coordinator there for years and years and years. Or no, he was in. Um, he was in Cincinnati. I think he's got roots in Dallas, though. I think he was there. He was. He was a defensive assistant. I think. Was, I think he was a defensive coordinator in Dallas for a couple of years. Uh, it, yeah, he was from '94 to 2006, and that from 2000 to 2006, he was their defensive coordinator. Then with Atlanta, then with Cincinnati, mm-hmm. then with Minnesota. 
So, yeah. He's been I, around I, the league. I'm going to take like a probably scorching hot take here. Um, I think Rex Ryan would have been the better pick here. And I know that like he's been out of the game. And I know that we talked about this last week, but I think if you're looking for like, I never liked Zimmer as the Minnesota coach. And if, if McCarthy gets fired, there's nobody on this team that I would trust to be a head coach other than Zimmer. But even that I'm not in love with, I would rather take Rex in that situation. Because again, we talked about it last week, like, he is the one, him and his father were the ones that kind of <laughs> created this kind of defense and now everyone's just trying to copy. So instead of just finding somebody who is the copy of the copy, why don't you just go to the source? I don't agree. Um, Rex Ryan's been out of the game a long time. And I mean, you know, granted, he's he's a smart football mind. Like, there's no doubt about that. But like, I, I think Zimmer... Zimmer's been because he was Minnesota, and then and then uh, what's his face? Uh, Kevin O'Connell took over two mm-hmm. years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, so right. um, Zimmer was fired yeah, in twenty twenty one, and he's been a twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Yeah, he yeah, was so an analyst for Jackson State, and then a analyst for Colorado last year. I think also structurally the the Cowboys are a four three defense and Zimmer runs a four three, so Rex Ryan is more of a three four base. I mean, listen, Rex Ryan very smart football mind, so I'm sure regardless of the situation he could make it work. And maybe Parsons is actually a better fit for three four defense, but like I I don't I I I, I think Zimmer I, I think they're kind of one A and one B. But like I would give an edge to Zimmer just because like the guy has a such a long it has no like personality issues. True. He's kind of a curmudgeon, but like yeah. Rex Ryan, like he, he can tend to rub people the wrong way and, sometimes. And that's a very so, hard market if you lose the love of the fans. I mean and like he, he's loud too. Like you know he can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. So it's, there's there's liability there. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But, I mean, if they had hired him, I don't think I, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I think it would, have, it would have been a smart move. But, like, the fact that they got Zimmer, though, to me is just, like, just... It probably would have... I will pose this, though. Here's, here's my question, though. Is it the better move, or do you start to take gambles on young guys, you know, moving up in the game? Because let's look around the NFL right now. There are some younger coaches that are really shaking up the NFL and doing great things, even with teams that have, you know, middling or lacking rosters. Right. So, you know, maybe that's the problem that the Dallas Cowboys really are having is that they're not taking those types of risks on a generation. They're just always going for a big name, a sure bet in their mind. I'll give you, you know, some, I'll give you good a old boys. I'll give you a two that they've tried and it hasn't worked. Um, former Giants great Jason Garrett. Um, that team was always up and down, and that was his first time as a head coach there. And the second one is um, who is the offensive coordinator that they had that they fired and went to the San Diego and they fired. Now he's with Philly. Say. 
Wait, where, where was he, he from? Started in Dallas as the offensive coordinator. He got fired two years ago. Went to San Diego. Young guy, Boise State quarterback. Oh, um, oh shit. Um, what the fuck? Ugh, Name starts with a K. God. Either way. Kellen Moore, yes. Uh, it's driving me nuts because I talked yeah. about him last week. But I think I think the problem with like taking bets on younger guys is you never know what you're going to get. And you either can like hit a home run with a um, with a McVay type or a McDaniel type, or you can completely melt down and like a Kingsbury and like it doesn't work. What do they got to lose right now? I, I think it's because they think they see themselves as a Super Bowl contender and they'd rather have experienced guys that have that kind of repertoire where they know how to get guys prepared for big games and they're not going to get swallowed up in the moment. Granted, this is not like I I think this is their frame of thinking. I don't think this is actually like true or anything like the self-imposed narrative right like they've built this like well we need guys that have been there and done that before it's like mike zimmer never played no fucking super bowl (laughs) he never coached in a super bowl either and you Mm -hmm. i mean at the end of the day brian fucking schottenheimer's your offensive coordinator like that tells me you're kind of unserious already (laughs) so i think that's the narrative that they put together and ultimately like you all said it perfectly. If it doesn't work out with McCarthy, this is an easy fix here. I don't think they'd want to feel super comfortable having like, I really hope Al Harris gets a defensive coordinator job, but I don't think they were willing to give that to him right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, We are at an hour here. So why don't we wrap this one up? Guys, anything else you want to say? Any other thoughts? Uh, I think, hey, great inaugural episode of the new Playbreakers podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last thing I will mention, too, and I think I can speak for all of us when I say, like, um, thoughts and prayers for all the folks that were at the San Diego or the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Obviously, devastating news to hear about the shooting that had happened and, you know, we are surprisingly unsurprised at this because, again, only a matter of fucking time. But hope everyone is safe, and I hope things change. But you never know. Doesn't feel like yeah. it will. But doesn't feel like yeah. it will. Um, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to the first episode of the Playbreakers podcast. Um, We are in the process of switching everything over. So if you still see second mouse stuff floating around, do us a favor and message us through the socials and just let us know. But if you could share this podcast with your friends that like football and want to talk football in the off season and want to scratch that itch, we're going to be talking about it the entire time. So give us a like and subscribe and we will see y'all next week. Yeah. Later, y'all.